0: To Figp's podcast series, Figp Focus Forty Five. Figp is the only international NGO whose membership consists entirely of IP attorneys in private practice. The P global community is driven by a shared interest among like-minded people to promote common solutions. And advocacy for private practice. The FigPee business family makes the world a little bit smaller, bringing independent IP attorneys from around the globe together to focus on IP issues of global importance. Our host is Louis Pierre Gravel, a registered patent agent and partner at Bereskin and Par in Montreal, Canada.
1: Good morning. Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to FICPE's webinar and podcast series, FICPE Focus 45. My name is Louis Pierre Gravel. I'm a partner at Bresken and Empire in Montreal. I'm a registered patent agent in Canada and the United States. Today, I will be having a conversation with Renate Weissa of the Weissa firm in Berlin about women inventors, or more specifically, their current underrepresentation on patent documents. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this issue. It's very important for me and for others as well, yeah.
1: And I think you're right. I think it is an important issue. um, And we've seen, um, just perhaps to, to set the tone a little bit for the conversation, we've seen international organizations around the world start initiatives regarding equity, diversity and inclusiveness and, of course, the role that women play within those initiatives is extremely important. Can you explain to us a little bit what brought you to become so interested in this issue?
2: I don't need to agitate anybody. We know that there are a few women in the subjects and technologies where which are prone to, to have patents and inventions um you know if you look at engineers physicists there are only very few women and we all know from our private practice well there are fewer women than than men and i'm a woman myself so i thought initially when i became admitted as a patent attorney i thought well this is my business case i'm going to get those few women and um, this is how i earn my money to represent the women unfortunately there are so few women that I would die of starvation if I had resorted to that. Luckily, the women that I did meet have all husbands, and they invented. So that was so that saved me from the beginning. But um, over the years, I found that well, there's still a few women, and it didn't change. And then I. Dived a little bit deeper, and I started counting the numbers of women from patent publications, and and found out it's about six percent. But it was very difficult to obtain reliable data because, you know, when when then you have all kinds of Excel sheets, and then there's things missing, and you don't know is Liu a female name from somewhere or a male name from somewhere else, and so it was very difficult. And I was very very pleased when the German patent office in the end of 19, uh, 2018 um, released a press release and said, "Again, yeah, we counted as well. And the, the result was it's only 6% female inventors named on patent publications in Germany. And I thought, wow, that is even less than I thought initially. And um, I had a guess that it was very few, but it is less than female founders in Germany, female investors in Germany, female uh, CEOs in Germany, everything, all numbers, whatever you look at, uh, female students in electrotechnical uh, engineering, whatever you call it, is six percent is less than anything anything where women
1: are admitted to. We know that today, anyway, women make up about fifty percent of the workforce. All, all fields all categories of employment mixed together but again if you look at the stem so science technology engineering and math we still see that there is an underrepresented presentation of women in those fields and there's some numbers um, out of the united states for example that say that in those fields women represent barely 27 percent of the workforce i guess the question is well well first of all and i, I I'm asking the question, I know what the answer is, but you know, why is it a problem that we have so few women inventors? I'll let you answer that first, and then we can move into, well, how do we start changing that?
2: Well, the, the thing is, one could say, yeah, well, there's are so, so few women in STEM subjects, and consequently, there are fewer inventors, but there is a gap. I would say it's a, a gender invention gap or something, <laughs> you may call it, but... Um, where so there's a if you say say twenty seven percent women in STEM fields or whatever it is, six percent is a lot less so obviously there's there's a discrepancy and the problem about it is first of all I could call it the women's me 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 there's a lot of disadvantages for women there's uh, less visibility they have less financial benefits uh, they don't get the honor of an inventor. Um, they have less professional promotion prospects, and and we have less role models. So that would be the impact that is on the women themselves. But it also has, it has an impact on the society and on the world we live in. Um, If you, I call it a little bit of vicious cycle, you have say, a de- development department, they, they there's only men, and so you invite a woman and she wants to work there. Well, it's a male environment. So they, the technological issues that are dealt with are set by men. So the frame is set by men. So the woman will invent things in that framework. So uh, my example is, and that causes women to stay away and that causes the vicious cycle because if they stay away, you remain in the, in the male structure. And my example to make that sort of a little bit visible is when you look at a car and in the front seat, you have all those knobs and turns and little machines and AI and whatever you have there. Lots of, lots of toys that are interesting for men. I personally, I don't care for those things. What I do co- care for as a woman is can somebody please invent a baby seat where you can put in the baby and strap it in without that major hassle and without breaking my back? Ask your wife, if you have children, try to get your child into such a baby seat and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is sort of the the male and female perspective. I mean, we have uh, Caroline Criado Perez. She has written a wonderful book and recommend that to everybody who who has doubts. Um, the, she has a lot of examples. One of them is um, if you had in the development departments for, for, uh, for cars, if you had uh, sufficiently ma- women there, they would have constructed a, a seatbelt that is suitable for expecting women, you know, if, you, if you're yeah. expecting mothers. That kind of thing wouldn't happen if you had enough women in the development departments. But I have more um, examples. If you want to hear, I have loads of them. <laughs>
1: Well, there's, and there's plenty of other examples. I mean, anecdotally when, when safety testing is done on cars, the crash test dummies that are used are built on the average male driver um, and they don't take into consideration uh, female or women or women body shapes and, and different things like that. So I, I think those, those examples are prevalent and, and you referred to one book and we can share afterwards the, uh, so the link or the title of the book but you know there's another book called mothers of invention that you and i chatted about earlier and how about you know many of the innovations that we see today uh, were in fact invented by women much before they became commercial successes so i agree and then there's a study that i picked up on and maybe i'd like you to to address this and it goes back to your point when you have women around the table who are doing research and development the women tend to focus on issues that affect women obviously and that leads into the conversation regarding femtech and whether and why that is important for technology to or or inventions to be made to address specific needs of of women, do you want to maybe expand on that a little bit?
2: What do you mean by femtech?
1: So femtech is is uh, you know things that so for example, um, one of the studies I looked at is you know the typical the typical cataract operations were done for for men you know or they were invented by men etc. It turns out that women have an acute form of cataracts that does not respond well to the technical surgeries that are used presently. Women have developed better techniques to address that particular question. So tech that, of course, could be applicable to everyone, but specifically to respond to some of the needs of women, women's bodies, women's realities.
2: Yeah, well, you see, if you don't have any women, it's hard in the development department uh, to take that perspective, whatever you are working in, whether it's medicine, cars, uh, home appliances, whatever it is, if you don't have any women there, how can you address their issues? Sometimes men come home, come into the development department uh, and say, yeah, my wife says, I mean, I have that sometimes in the disc- discussions, my wife says, can we address that problem? And there are sitting a lot of, single men who don't have a wife don't know the problem, they say "Ah, that's a load of rubbish, go back to your wife and buy her a proper car that's that's the kind of subjects and i've been working in, in in a development department so i know what i'm talking about i know boys talk because i sort of sometimes turn out invisible and, and just listen and that's, but that's that's the kind of talk that that even men have to listen to when you address a female issue and it takes a lot of courage from women to um to address female issues and a lot of women just don't dare because they're being sent away. And that's what I I actually uh, had a good look into the book that you recommended, The um, uh, Mother of Inventions. And yeah, that's what happens. A woman makes an invention and then she's being sent away because this is only women's needs. And the people who decide upon whether this invention is going to be commercialized, whether it's going to patent it, whether money is being put in into the development of such a thing will be it will be rejected, those, those inventions. So that's a big problem. If we're having more women in decider positions, that might change, but it mightn't, because even to be in the position to decide upon an invention, you will need female input to get the invention. And if nobody makes an invention which is sort of addressing the female perspective, well, there's nothing to decide about, whether it mm-hmm. is a woman or a man to, to sit in the position to, to be decided. To be decided.
1: So, so this issue is something that you've been concerned with for a number of years. And and the audience today is mostly practitioners in private IP practices. What are the things that we, both as men and women, should be aware of? What should be we looking at? And how can we try to help this
2: i have been doing lots of talks i have my own experience as an inventor i've made a lot of inventions you can look up in in this or wherever so um and lots of those inventions are actually i made when i was a mother so um there's a definitely a female perspective in it the first thing people say is well there are so few women in stem uh, subjects we had that So that's it. I say there's still a gap. Then the next thing that I hear is, yeah, well, the boss is on the on the patent and uh, she's just not named as an inventor. I personally don't think this is the case because I have had in the 25 years, I never had such a case. I had one patent vindication case and there was a man against a man and not some women. It may happen, and what I tell people then, you know, I hold a lot of workshops and lectures and all this, I tell the women, address the issue, get a professional to check, is it the same invention? Is it really, are you omitted or is it maybe something else? Can you prove that you're an inventor and then address the issue? Not so much that the declaration of inventorship is changed, but to avoid it for the next time, because... You know, if somebody mm-hmm. does something like that, you don't want to be called a thief in public. So so the next time they'd be careful to name you if you're an inventor. But that's, as I said, that is not the what I think is most important. The more important thing is we have structural problems. Toxic environment would be one keyword, word. Um, and we have individual reasons. And I think it's the individual reasons that are the main parts. So if you come... Into into the um, into uh, like me, you come into a a department. Seventy men, two women. The the women are secretaries, and I'm the only physicist, or um, you know, um, who is dealing with technical issues. When you when you um, issue um, when you come up with an invention, and I had several ideas, and I came came up with the inventions. And the first thing is what you hear is it doesn't work. The second thing is you're crazy. Uh, The third thing. If they think it it works because i was an expert in that field i mean i've been working on it all day so i knew it was, was going to work and then they say yeah but that doesn't that exists already right. and as a woman women tend to be rather liked than being respected there's lots of research of gender research about that i don't really want to hear negative comments um uh, being laughed at, being abused as somebody who's a bit weird and, you know, that kind of thing. So when I come up with great ideas, I would keep them for myself. And I think that this is the case with, with a lot of women. It takes great self-confidence to come out, to come forward with great ideas That to, if you want to be working in that environment for a longer time. Maybe you come out when you shortly before you're being pensioner, there, then you might you might come out and say, Hey, I have got great ideas. But f- with men, they don't have that problem. Mm-hmm. I have seen as a planetary, I've seen great ideas, big thinking, saving the world ideas, and never from a woman. But when you talk to them, sometimes they come out with it. So that's that's sort of the, the environment. And I it, encourage the women to look where are you going? Are there other women? How are they dealing with inventors? You or your colleagues, I mean, you know that inventors are very often being mobbed and not being taken care of as they should be, you know? And, and sometimes the patent attorney is the only person they can talk to about the in- inventions. And when it comes to it, those inventions are the ones that save the company. I've seen lots of that. So what helps is maybe a female patent attorney. Sorry, lads, um, that there's nothing for it. Um, this, if you want to understand what I'm talking about, is ask your wives or ask yourself if you're a woman. Have you got a male gynecologist or a female? And all those women who refuse to go to the male gynecologist are probably better off with a female patent attorney. That's just sort of a roughy idea about what we are going on.
1: As as IP professionals, one thing that I think the message you're conveying is. Well, the first thing we need to do is ensure that within our ranks as IP professionals, women become more represented. And I think, you know, I think clearly there's effort that needs to be done, but I think we're moving in that direction. So, yes, to be able to have the women inventors speak to women patent attorneys, they're going to find common ground. They're going to speak the same language. They're going to understand each other. The other reality that we face sometimes is that um especially if we're doing you know multiple cases or multiple drafting cases for for a client in in a year sometimes we don't get to participate in that conversation as to who are the inventors and and I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you is not only would it be good for the client relationship but should the patent attorneys be more present within the research environment, going to the clients, speaking to the people who are in the lab and trying to trying to attract that kind of information to make sure that credit goes to the people who actually created the invention, not just whoever decided who the inventors were on that case.
2: Well, there you see the difference between a small business, I'm a single practitioner, right? And a big business. If you're working with a big business, you usually have big clients and all you get to see is the patent attorneys. I've been, been representing Vodafone, for example, we never saw any inventor never ever with small business um I'm actually very much present in the discussions and in the in the companies and in the departments and I talk to the inventors very much and then I know he's invented it or he hasn't and if there's a woman involved I would know because that comes up in the department you you can't hide anything such thing whereas when it's when you just have a sort of a, the notification of the inventor uh, of the invention and you have just a piece of paper and a few drawings and you have to draft your patent application yes of course there's no way you can you can investigate further
1: so i guess the message you're, you're conveying is the way that we need to improve this or the way that we need to address this as a global i mean it's a global society issue let's let's not kid ourselves um this is not something that individuals will solve on their own. It needs, it needs, you know, a, a participation of everyone at every different level. So I think one of the messages, well, okay, we need to start with having more women becoming part of the profession. The reality is that for a lot of firms around the world, the the funnel into the profession starts with science, math, engineering, and technology. And so we need to sort of find a way to make sure that women are attracted and engaged in those fields of study so that, first of all, they can populate the labs better, be more represented in the labs, the research departments, the positions of power, clearly, and also that they that they become interested in the profession of IP attorney and then, you know, make, a, make an impact and make a difference that way. How do we, as, as IP professionals, is there anything we can do to, to help at the at the at the university or high school or even you know grade school level
2: well i do a lot of girls day girls day in germany is, is something that's a one day the girls between 11 and 15 they are released from school for one day and they go into professions where um which is considered a typical male profession. And I am considered a typically male profession. So I have every girl say 40 girls sitting here and I tell them about my profession and how I love it and how nice it is and how much money I earn and all this. And uh, in the end, they come up with uh, saying, oh yeah, I want to become a patent attorney. Now we'll see to that, um, <laughs> takes a long time. In Germany, there's one thing that can be changed but the uh, government wouldn't change. I've been there and have tried I said when you want to become a German patent attorney you have to go to Munich for almost a year and if you're living in Berlin and you're having two small children at home that was the case with me or I was pregnant with one and the the other one was out uh, it is a big effort you're one year not being paid small children at home and you're 800 kilometers from home And this is a situation um, that I wanted to change. I said, well, that was before Corona. I said, why don't you put up your courses either in a compact form that you go for three weeks and then you go back home and, and you can do things online and all this and um, the Patentenweizkammer in Germany and, the, and the, the government said, no, no, there's no need for it and it is not possible. Considering that the Patentenweizkammer is an almost all male, white, old man uh, thingy, they don't appreciate this, this problem. I don't know how it is in other countries. But in Germany, this is the hurdle I know several women who are not uh, admitted as a patent jury because they don't want to go to Munich for that eight month. it is now. Um, so that's something that could be done. It could be actually done and um, it isn't being done. The other thing... I mean, I was going to make the man and say, Louis-Pierre, where do you live? Do you think that we get, just by saying, hey, you all women, please come into the STEM subjects. uh, They will come. No, you have to take measures big time. Um, In the schools, in the universities, you have to do education, girls' day. Um, We're doing that here. I'm actually um, organizing a congress where we try to get engineers and try to sort of, Keep them in the development departments, because in my experience, all engineers, all female engineers and all physicists pull out of the profession. They leave the labs and they go into professions like patent attorney. So on that side, we are actually on the good side. Um, They go into publishers. uh, They become trainers, coaches, whatever it is. But they don't have dirt on their hands anymore. They don't have uh, uh, they are not in the chemistry labs anymore because they are left alone. And that is one of the big problems I see. If you have um, a development department with um, 70 men and one woman, well, then the woman is not happy for long. Um, And that is the case. And so when I I encourage employers, don't employ only one woman, go for at least three. One might be bad, you know, (laughs) or silly or whatever, but you need to have... Female companionship uh, to make the the women happy. Otherwise, they will leave the job, and that's quite certain. You can ask around, ask any engineer, uh, any physicist, uh, female uh, physicist, um, they will tell you the same. I
1: think you've I think you've hit the the nail on the head on that one. I think you're you're right. First of all, hiring just one woman probably doesn't translate into a significant effort to try to change things. And the second issue, I think, is that you you do need to a certain extent you need something like critical mass you need more people so that they they yeah. engage with each other that and it creates momentum and it creates an environment that is more conducive to to collaboration and to to percolating up these ideas that are that are from the women and, and then ultimately make their way into commercial products, right?
2: I, I just recently had a case where um, I was told this woman pulled out of a major position in, in engineering because she said, I'm going to get hard and I don't want to become a man. And that quite signifies what it is about. We women, we are slightly different (laughs) to you men. It might be news to some people, but we are actually different. And we don't want to adapt. We want to remain as nice as we are. And, And that's the thing. You have to recognize there's a difference. And this is a valuable difference. And we don't want to adapt to the structures. You know, some people say, yeah, she's not suitable. And why is she not suitable? Because she doesn't fit the structure. Right. And it's the other way around the structure, the frame must change, not the women. And that is very difficult to promote. when you li- talk to people, they say, she's not suitable. We couldn't find anybody suitable. Uh, she might have the degree, but otherwise she's not, she doesn't have any qualities. And that's a big problem. Not only for patent attorneys and inventors. The problem is a big thing everywhere. And, uh, that makes, that makes a vicious circle. If you don't have women, you don't get the female perspective.
1: So you've been looking at this for a while. You're published or you're publishing uh, on this particular topic. Have you seen improvements over the past years? Or are we still at the same place we were five or ten years ago?
2: In Germany, none whatsoever. On the contrary, with corona, it got worse. It's, the situation is very, very bad as i said i have made some attempts uh, politically i was uh, heard as an expert witness in the uh, legal committee uh, of the german bundestag and uh, i was trying to promote things like you know we we in, it's not in english you don't have that but we have a female and a male form and all women are addressed as patent attorney as in the male form and i wanted to have in the in the patent patent law, at least that the person skilled in the art is addressed as sort of gender neutral, that we use an inclusive language. That was that, that, that was simply ignored. They didn't even address the issue. Um, I was trying to do something about the education, the training of patent attorneys. Um, no, this is not possible. Any issue there is when we need to get support. And I mean, we are in a country where we have a female president of the patent office, and we have a female president of the um, Bundespatentgericht, the, the um, higher high patent court. So there are women, but their impact appears not to be sufficient. And even with a female uh, minister, um, uh, there was no way that we could get any micro step forward. And it's very frustrating, and that's why I'm so happy that you invited me here, I would like to hear later on of how it is in other countries, because in Germany, nothing is moving, nothing.
1: Well, I think anecdotally what we've seen, uh, certainly in, in, I can speak for Canada and the U.S., just because I, I'm in Canada and, and I work here and, and I have a lot of people that are friends in, in U.S. firms. I think we're seeing more and more women enter the profession I think you're right to a certain extent. There is still uh, a structural issue where women will leave the profession um, after a number of years. They'll go in house. They'll do different things. So I think structurally there needs to be a way to ensure that that women who are coming up the ranks remain in the profession. Now they may they may I mean, people want to leave the profession for all sorts of different reasons, and that's perfectly legitimate as well. But you don't want to be in an environment where people leave the profession because of some structural issues. So that's one thing we need to address. I think the other thing we need to recognize is that at least in universities in Canada and the United States, there is an effort to try to get more women into STEM-based uh, study curricula. I think we're having some success there, but it's going to take some t- perhaps a generation before it really makes a huge difference at the other level. And I, and I want to come back on some of the issues. I mean, because we've, we know that women have been inventing things that are extremely useful for hundreds of years. You know, just type very quickly women inventors on a search engine and you end up with a profile of uh, Ada Lovelace and uh, Hedy Lamarr and, and great, wonderful, wonderful inventions.
2: They're always the same. It's always the same names. You have maybe 20 women. And if you type in erfinderin, in German, it would be sort of the female form of of inventor. You get 20 names uh, and that's it. And a lot of them, um, Andrea Orban, uh, she got the uh, European Inventorship Award. Uh, She has not even a page on Wikipedia, which I find very curious because um, her inventions uh, led to Big employment. She's one of the big inventors from Bosch, and uh, she doesn't even even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, consider that, and and um, the, even the German Patent Office asked me once, I, if you if you have names, we're willing to hear. You know, I mean, it's um it, it, the um the the names in Germany. If you if you look at the names, the German Patent Office has on their platform, they, they even have a website about female inventors it's all foreigners and ada lovelace is like 300 years old do we have to resort to women from 300 years ago because we don't find any current proper female inventors i find that unbelievable
1: yeah and, and i can sense the passion and the and the frustration in, in your voice and and i think that you know i think it's it's a reality and we need to to address it somehow
2: there is a Business case there. Um, we've talked about it previously. There, there is a business case for all the patent attorneys because if we have less inventors than people working in STEM or female women if working in STEM, then um, obviously all we have to do is dig and alert our companies. I mean, no company would like to have their inventions not discovered and not being protected So what you need to do is is dig in the big companies, are there any women working in the development departments, and what are they doing? And try to find the inventions and to have to alert the the people who are are responsible for for patenting. Say, hey, go into the department, check your women, and let them describe to, to you what they're actually working at. Don't mention the word invention because women shy away. When when I have workshops and I say how to get your invention patented or how to recognize your invention, I have only men. There's no women in there. Okay. But if you say, hey, what are you working at? Tell me. Then you suddenly say, hey, that smells like an invention. Why don't you mention it to you notify your employer? And that's how to approach it because they, w- women often don't think that they are as glorious as their male counterparts and they don't consider themselves as being inventors. And that's a big issue. I mean, I've heard people who ask me, women who ask me, do I need a permission to notify my employer? And it's the other way around. In Germany, you are obliged to, t- to notify your employer for you made an invention. Or they think like, oh, it's so expensive. Um, I better not notify my employer because then he has so much costs. And we want to put the employer, to put in, put him into the position to decide this is crap and this is good. You have to overcome this hurdle for the inventors. Um, maybe some male inventors think the same, but, but generally speaking, I would say you have to go into the lab, talk to the women and ask them, what are you doing? And If a professional smells an invention, I mean, the patent is not far away. Um, And that's, I think, the best way to approach it, rather than making one workshop after the other where the women just don't show up, Um, that doesn't help.
1: There is something that's called uh, feminist innovation policy. Do you want to expand on that a little bit?
2: No, that's my big thing. (laughs) If you want to hear something about weirdos, there we go. Um, one would think that policy um, on inventions has nothing to do with gender or women or whatever. But if you consider that, we have a feminist in Germany. Um, she's really weirdo, red hair, um, Theresa Buca. Um If you listen to her, you think, my gosh, uh, what's going on here? And she explained um, that we have a, a skill shortage in Germany. I think it sh- it's probably the same in Canada. You need people with skills to fill the companies and work. And um, in Germany, they, they say, well, we will fill this gap with women because they are all staying at home and taking care of children, yeah. and having a lot of mental load and, and cooking and household works. And, and the problem is, well, who does the who? does care for children, mental loads, households, basically polishes your bathroom. That's that's the question that goes down with it. And, um, well, in Germany, if you're a professional, then you have a some good ghost in the household, um, somebody... In Germany, they usually come from Poland, Romania, or some Eastern country from Europe. Um, In the US, it would be probably from Middle America or something. So every country has where they come easy labor with. And I don't like that because there are no social security. It's it's not very good. That, That thing is called global care chain because that Polish cleaning lady that comes here to Germany at home has nobody to take care of her household. And... The question is, do we want that or, or could that not be solved by a technical solution? And I have a few examples for you which try where I try to illuminate this. Um, if workforce, female workforce is cheap, then everything is done manually. Consider your bathroom at home. I don't know who's cleaning your bathroom, um, but I know one of us at home is every Saturday we're sitting there and manually cleaning <clears> the <throat> bathroom. Now, if you you take your car, where do you put that for cleaning? You put it into a machine and it's a cleaning machine, car cleaning machine, and it's cleaned automatically. Now, if you can clean a car, obviously you can clean a bathroom just just the same. If you can do gruesome surgical operations on the heart or on the body with machines and do all kinds of things with AI and whatever... And we don't, still don't have a machine that can peel a few potatoes and carrots and put a little bit of salt in and cook it. I mean, really, there has nothing been invented in the household that could help us technologically solve the skills problem. And if you look at it, the, I have the numbers here and then I'm looking sort of on my, on my screen here because this is very important. The dishwasher was invented 1886, and you're still trying to improve it. The washing washing machine was invented in the early 1900s, and they're still trying to invent the 250th program, how to wash your thing. But still, you have to sort the socks by yourself, which is not a pleasant job in the family. And, And the Thermomix, a very popular cooking machine in Germany, was invented in 1970, and we're still cooking at home, or we're having that silly delivery systems where, where you get the lukewarm stuff that doesn't taste very well. So, so I think there's a lot of room for improvement. This was the example for cheap labor at home, but the same applies to the workforce in the hospitals, for example, or in the old people's homes um, where there's a lot of women working. We are not seeing a sufficient technological level on the in the market. Um, Because women labor is cheap and that's why men decide what's being invented. What track are we going down there? And uh, I think if you pour a lot of money into developing an automatized household or hospital or old people's home, I think um, that you can actually change a lot I mean, nobody wants to clean the bathroom, for God's sake.
1: No, I don't think anyone w- wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to, this is going to be my, my task for the day. Now, I understand that. And I guess one of the things that hearing you speak triggers is, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about robots and how robots, whether or not they're supported by AI uh, tools or systems, that robots could, should they, I don't know, but certainly could replace some of that manual labor that is not remunerated At a very high level. And so is that something that you would agree with that we need to have more robot, more machine, more automatic intervention in in some of those things that we do?
2: Absolutely. But if you think of a robot, something with eyes and two arms, um, I think you're mistaken. I mean, we all know that automatizing uh, uh, manual labor does not involve necessarily two arms and a gripper. Um, the, I mean, if you think of dusting, for example, I mean, we have drones for everything. I have an IBM. If you put in coffee, drone, and IBM, you will get a patent from an inventor called Ericsson. And uh, I love this patent because they recognize your body functions. And if you're not well, they bring you a coffee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: and, and that kind of inventions are being made and patented, seriously patented, And we still don't have a drone that can do a little bit of dusting at home. I mean, with all this AI and sensors and laser beaming thingy, I mean, of course, technologically, you could develop something like this, or you can make a cooking machine where you just um, put in a little bit of potatoes and and then you have something lovely cooked afterwards. The, the, The question is, do we want this? I think yes. If you don't have any cleaning lady anymore, um, then you will be desperately looking for every every improvement. So the automatizing the household or whatever it is. I mean, it's not only the household. It's um, the the hospitals, it's um, care homes, everywhere. Uh, Automatization is essential if we want to survive, unless we want to have a lot of people, immigrants, uh, who do the work for little money. It's not my personal idea of a good word. I want to pay people proper money and have such labor done by machine. That's
1: yeah, and maybe as a society, that's not where we want to go generally. Yeah. And there, there can be regional variations, clearly, but um, this has been a fascinating conversation, really. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I'm was. i just going to end on this. Um, I was at uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It's held every year. So this is way before COVID. And I remember one of the machines I'd seen there was a machine that would take your, your, your shirts and your t-shirts and your pants and would fold it for you. And I thought, wow, that is a brilliant piece of, of, of technology. I never saw it on the, on the shelves. Maybe it was designed by men and it didn't, you know, it didn't address some of the finer points of, of folding clothes. I don't know, but it seems to me that you're right. I think there are areas where, you know, and this is a, a call to all inventors, uh, women inventors, you know, there are areas that require some innovation that would result in products and services that would certainly alleviate some of those menial tasks. And I, and I don't want, I use menial tasks and I don't want to sound it. I don't want it to sound. No, no, ordinary, no. I
2: mean, as I said, cleaning the bathroom is no sophisticated thing.
1: <laughs> no. Um, so, so those tasks could certainly be automated to a certain extent. And, and if they are, then doesn't the quality of life of the family as a as a unit or your you know whatever however you want to conceive a, a, of a family but people living together doesn't that quality of life increase and doesn't that make it a better world for everyone allowing women particularly to enter the work, workforce and not be as preoccupied by who's going to clean the bathroom and who's going to do the laundry and who's gonna who's going to run after the missing socks because there's always half a dozen missing socks when you, when they come out of the laundry.
2: We don't have to elaborate on that. I think everybody knows what household tasks are. Even men sometimes perform. So, and it's, it's not nice. And I think those tasks that, that should really be improved and it will put women into the position. I mean, studying physics was very, very difficult and I haven't studied physics to clean the bathroom. I'm sorry.
1: Right. Well, and, and, and I think you've you made your point spectacularly well. And I think we should just leave it on that note. Um, uh, renati Vaisa, thank you very, very much for your time today. It was wonderful. Thank you very thank
2: much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: If you have any questions about the topics discussed in this podcast, you can sign up for free and message us, FICP.org. You can also find out more of what's to come on the FICP Focus 45 podcast series, either on the events page of our website, LinkedIn, or via our newsletter. See you next time.